Hey it's Damien. Oh, Damien, it's Rhett. How are you? Thanks, Rhett. I'm well. Thank you for ringing. I'm a bit excited, really. <laughs> What's that, sorry? I'm a bit excited. How are you? Are you really? Yeah, yeah. How's things? Things are good. Uh, self-isolating, of course, um, but no, things are good. We are. We're, we're speaking <laughs> in April when everyone's sort of in lockdown. Um, are you still working, out of interest? Yeah, I work as a registered nurse at the Colac Area Health, and I'm my job, I'm in rehabilitation nursing, right. um, and I'm actually able to work from home. Oh, right. So they've set me up um, with access, you know, remote access stuff, and I'm doing that from home and contacting sort of some of the clients that I would normally be seeing in yeah. face-to-face or, or group sort of rehab sessions. Yeah, so we're sort of making it up as we go along a oh. bit, Red, but it's, um, but it's working. <laughs> I was going to say, how are you finding that change, Damien? Yeah, it's a little bit tricky. Like, um, Part of it is that I've been around Colac for some time, and so some of the folk I, I have had dealings with in the past, so uh, they sort of know me a bit, and that sort of breaks the ice a little bit and makes it makes it a bit easier rather than just sort of cold calling sort of thing. Well, I... Um in a sense, I've cold called you, haven't I? Out of yeah, the blue, yeah, uh, with a, yeah. a out of the blue email. Um, yes. But I've had a few people on on social media say you should reach out and have a chat to Damien Milliken <laughs> for a couple of reasons. One, he's got a great voice. Was what many people have said. He's got a wonderful deep voice. I think it's a family thing. <laughs> Did you have no radio uh, history with you there? Not at all, no, <laughs> no, no. And secondly, they said because, you know, all those Melicans that are just in football throughout history, they're all related. Is, it, is there a, a family sort of connection with all the Melicans? There's a pocket of us that grew up around Donald. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a few of us, the Irish Catholic thing. There is another pocket with the same name who are at a place called Wangoom, which is down near Warrnambool. Mm. Uh, so same name, a little bit um, not directly related other than uh, in the depths of the Irish West. Um, but, yeah, so the, most of us are from the Donald area where we grew up. Well, I, I saw there was a Melican who played with Richmond in the uh, early 1980s. Yeah, Chris would be a first cousin of mine. So his father and my dad farmed together. So Chris, as you said, is a bit younger than me, but, um, yeah, he's a first cousin. Right. Uh, so he was a ruckman. He was a taller ruckman. And... Chris went to St. Pat's in Ballarat, and he was a, a high jumper. All right. As well as tall, you know, he was sort of six, five or six, and I think he was there. I think Francis was coaching in Chris's time. Um, I'm guessing he did under 19s. I'm not sure. I know yeah, he was. He you know, he was he was reasonably close in sort of Francis's time, and may have been, you know, like an emergency. Did they have official emergencies or something? Mm. And he then he sort of moved on. I know he played at Morningside in um, Brisbane and Glenelg then coached around sort of country yeah. South Australia a bit and he's yeah. back in Melbourne these days but not involved in footy so much. Any other Melicans we need to know about, uh, Damien? Uh, well, I've got one in Sydney. <laughs> yes, you do. For those who are unaware, tell us. Yeah, our son Lewis, our third child, Lewis is um, in Sydney. Uh, he got drafted from the rookie draft out of the, uh, the Falcons in Geelong um, in, what was that, the 214 draft. This is his sixth year there now. Gee, so he's had a bit of an interrupted. He's had a couple of years sort of cruel by injury. Um, but two of the seasons he got sort of regular games and um, the last season he got sort of 17 or 18 games in uh, as a key backman. And, uh, you know, all set for this year and then... Yeah, yeah, he was ready. He actually he actually got uh, the horrible lucky. He hurt a hamstring in a, in a practice game sort of yeah. leading into the season. So he, he would have missed the season initially. 
Um, but you know, about now he's ready to go, but he's, uh, there's nothing nothing to do, of course. I'm a bit disappointed Richmond couldn't get him, uh, Damien. Yeah, is well... There, like, some law we could have found? <laughs> that's, that's a job for someone like you, Red. Yeah, that's um, right. If only, if only I had to play more games. <laughs> that's great. Well, let's, let's ask about that. I was... You know, I, I, I came across the 1977 team photo... And, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I was talking to Dad about it, and I said, look at this wonderful team photo here, Dad. Yes. And uh, we went along the line, and there was Dad and Max Scales, who we still stay in touch with in France. Yeah, I do, Kirk, yes, yeah. Gary yeah, Richardson. Well, it was Max's first year as, um, as the secretary, was it? Yeah, so he took over from Alan Swab, didn't he? That, he did. That year, yeah. He did. Uh, Gareth Andrews, I think, was the general manager. Gareth was certainly heavily involved. Um, I didn't have a lot to do with him, but he was certainly about the club. And if I look didn't... at front row on the far yeah. left... Yeah. D. Malikin, and I thought, uh, okay, yes. well, hold on, let me just see if uh, D. Malikin played a senior... No, he didn't play a senior game. Yeah, and no thought, senior game. There's no. a couple of people in here who obviously had a reserves connection. Um, yes. Damien, how did you get front row far left of the Richmond's 1977 team photo? Oh, I think I was the last one left, and the, um, the photographer was sort of <laughs> designating where people stood, and I, I'm sitting there thinking about the old schoolyard, and I'm not going to get picked here. Uh, so, so I was the last one in the frame, I think, Red. Um, Neville Roberts got the uh, tiger skin front row. He was yeah, lucky. Neville would be there. He was always front row from he what sat, I He's sitting on the tiger skin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I reckon he probably got first. first right. dibs, I reckon. Do you remember he's this certainly... photo being taken? Oh, very much so, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, uh, and things like it, this is part of a bit of why I'm excited. Now, you're talking of Neville Roberts, and you know, I can't claim to have known him well. Yep. But he, he was larger than life, you know, he was full of chat, he was full of this, you know, and something like that, well, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he's front row and sitting on the tiger skin. <laughs> you know, he probably sat there for an hour or something afterwards, you know. <laughs> um, but no, I do remember it, it was that thing that um, we sort of were in the, in the room and the, you know, the, the big banners there, you know, was permanently on the wall, I think, in the change room. Yeah, um, and, you know, and the photographer sort of ruled it, he sort of lined up where we all sat and I think he's got the heights and things that are reasonably well. Um, you know, and there's some of the names, you know, like I'm sitting next to Alan Noonan. I know, I actually, I went looking for the photo before. I can't find it. It's here somewhere. But I was Alan Noonan. So Alan had come over from his career at Essendon for that year as a bit of a bit of a backup in case someone got injured. Right. He would have, you know, I think he would have played a handful of senior games because right. I don't know that we had a, a, a designated full forward like it was, it was Roachie's first year, so he wasn't. That's involved yeah. um you know i couldn't even really tell you who played at full forward because i don't know that we had a had a set one at that stage no farmy was still rucking and he'd go forward a little bit but um mm. I, i'd played my schoolboy stuff as a sort of a center half back type, so i was about oh. six foot tall yeah. but i think they <laughs> the practice matches and intra-game things we did i think they were still looking for the next dick clay so i was out on the wing all right. Um, in some of the practice matches, I remember Hunt Road running alongside Brian Wood one night. Um, I remember we were over at Middle Park one day at something, and Graham Bond was still. I actually sort of because I did a bit of research, so I see because I was thinking about Graham Bond, and um, mm. I played on this practice match out at Middleton on Middle Park on him, and I see in the archives he actually played round one for the Tigers, and then he ended up at St Kilda that year. Oh right. So uh, I'm guessing that's through his connection with Rex because he and Rex Hunt were mates. But yeah. Not that Rex was about in my time, but, but um, yeah, I remember him being there. And then, um, yeah, so the, the practice matches and bits I played, I think I was probably a wingman. So I remember some of the practice matches, and I get a bit mixed up because I was there for the pre-season of 78 when we then got, got the delisted. Yeah. So we did the pre-season of 78, yep. um, and then you know, when they were cutting the 
cut in the bits and pieces. We I wasn't in that. Are you, and, are um, you told that face to face? Yeah, it was one of those things. I again, I remember it because I, I at that stage, so seventy eight, I was working in Fitzroy Street in St Kilda, and there was to be practice matches, and we were having them at, at one of the, those ovals at Middle Park there somewhere, hmm. and there was one coming up for you know say Thursday night or whatever it was, and I was told I'll come to come and see us at um, the training at Pund Road. And I said, I oh, know, I'm at St. Kilda, I'll just go straight to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, no, don't do that, don't do that. We want to see you at the, at the, at the Pun Road. So I got called in and uh, whether it was Max or not, I can't, can't remember who told me. But yeah, by that stage, we sort of knew it was coming. They'd already, you know, culled the list a bit. And one of the ones I remember, we'd actually had a practice match against Hawthorne out at Harp Road. The seniors, seniors had gone to Mildura, I remember. So... Um, the Richmond and Hawthorne seniors had gone to to Mildura and we were playing the Hawthorne Reserves at the Harp Road Oval. So this is 78. Yeah. And me, and I can't tell you who, who else the other guys were, but there's three or four of us sitting on the on the bench. We were on the sideline and on the fence until after halftime of this practice match and we went out and I went to a back pocket, I remember, on Normie Goss. Oh, and um, I, I remember, so Stephen Mount, I think, had just come over. He was there. And Steve was trying to play at Senna back, but he was doing more of the spectacular things than the team things. I remember Norm Goss turned me at one stage and said, Oh, this place not doing your cause much good. <laughs> and at the end of it, he shook my hand and wished me luck. And uh, <clears throat> I remember that quite vividly. And, and that was, yeah, so it must be the next week we got the, got the flick. Oh, my goodness. And we went down. So there's a couple of us that so come out of the under 19. So Luke Zulos and Paul Taylor and Rocky Reed, Grant, I think his first name was, had played under-19s and they'd done the pre-season and we went down to Paran because Mick Irwin had gone from an assistant to Barry in 77 and gone to coach Paran in 78. Mm. So Luke and Paul Taylor and Rocky and myself went down to Paran with Mick. How long were you there in Paran for? Uh, I only had that one year. I had a blow, I got punched and broke my jaw in a practice match so I missed most of the season. Hold on, you got punched? Yeah, someone dealt with me. In the, in in the VFA? In the VFA. I'm shocked, Danny. I couldn't believe it. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, it was a bloody tough thing. Um, yes, yeah, so only then, the next year, I was living with a few blokes and I went back up to the country and played. So, if we rewind, how did you get yep. to Richmond? We're from the, I grew up up near Donald and our footy club was Watcham Corak. Oh, wow. Just up the road there between Birchup these days. And that's how it was a Richmond zone, of course. So, oh, you know, Merv Kane came from Witchy and Jimmy was at St. Barnard and guys like Chris Pym a bit later was from Witchy and that sort of So that was a Richmond zone, as it was. And I was at boarding school at Hamilton. I was at Monovay College in Hamilton. And Leo Rush was the man in those days. Is it Leo? Is that his first name? It is, yes. Yeah. Old so Leo he'd, Rush. He had somehow had a had an eye on me and... Um, we, so at Monovo, we only we we didn't have a, a competition, you know, like the APS or anything like that. We they were sort of friendlies, but we would play. You know, we always played St Pat's in Ballarat, and um, you know, I remember we played Melbourne High. I remember we played Halebury and yeah. De La Salle and some of these ones. In in they were sort of you know friendlies, you would call them. There was no competition as such. But I was playing in that, and um, and then yeah, so Leo then came one day and said, "Well, we want you to come down to." The Tigers, um, and I remember I did that in '76. So it must have been the, the you know the August school holidays. I went down for the week and had a run. I trained with the seniors and the and the under 19s. Well, gee, there's a 
There's a name I haven't heard for a while, Leo Rush, who was a, a yeah, great well, Richmond he, Yeah, he was the recruiter. Yeah. Did he, did he, had, he had a bit of a lurk, didn't he? Did he, did he work for Ford? I think he did, yeah. And I and think drove, part of that he, had, the, he had a Richmond uh, playing career, I think, as well, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, but I think he had that gig where he was sort of testing the Ford cars and driving them around the country recruiting for <laughs> Richmond. <laughs> Pretty good gig to me, I reckon. I was looking at, well, the, recruit, the recruiting people in 1977 were Bruce Seymour, uh, yep. Neil Busy, Cole Crawford, John Groves, Pat Ganane, Bob Irwin, yeah. Mick Irwin, Brian LeBrock, who's passed on, Graeme yeah. Richmond, Leo Rush, Max Scales, Bruce Seavers, Tom Simpson, Dick Weston, Roy Reston, and Keith Weems. They had them scattered yeah. everywhere. Yeah, okay. Well, Leo was certainly the one that used to go up our way, and, and I, I certainly remember meeting him and chatting to him a couple of times. And out of all those other names, you know, within my bit at Richmond, the only one really was Neil Bussey. We had a bit to do with Neil. Yeah. He was, I reckon he actually signed the, the monthly checks we got. <laughs> Um, as a living away from home or whatever whatever it was. Oh, right. Um, from other than that, from a committee point of view, when even the selection, I didn't know any of the others. You know, like I think Alan Cook might have been the head, head of selection, yes. and I, I, I didn't know him at all. That's correct, he was. Um, I don't know who would have been picking the reserve side, but, um, you know, the only one was Tony Jewell was a reserve coach, and that was it. The um, the selection committee for this in that year was Alan Cook, Barry Richardson... Tony Jewell, Mick Irwin, would you believe? Yep. Uh, and coaches, Royce yeah. Hart. Okay, yeah. Now, well, that was one of, the, one of the things that jumped to my mind when you were talking when you were talking to me. Was Royce retired that year? He did. Yeah, that was it. So the knee, knees were gone. Yeah. His hands still worked beautifully, though. I can remember that at training, you know, doing the, the kick, the kick sort of thing before we got going. He outmarked uh, everyone, did he? Smart. Well, he did. He didn't have to do anything much, but the balls that just came to him and. Yeah, there was a bit of that. So it's you know the old sweet spot in in sport. You know when Royce's hands hit the footy, there was a bit of a perfect perfect sound. Um, so his hands hadn't failed him, but his knees certainly had. And I, I remember they I don't know what round it was, but the helicopters landed on Pun Road, and we had to all get down one end and get out of the way. And the helicopters and the news people jumped out, and um, Royce retired. You're joking. No, was, it, was this the day that he retired? He announced it? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think so, yeah. It was a training night. We were on the Oval at Hunt Road, and we had to get down the other end because the helicopter came in and suppressed the, the you know, Channel 7, yep. I don't know which one it was. Yeah, in the to, middle of the ground. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, did the live cross to Royce's retirement. It was a big deal, oh. as it should have been. Well, <laughs> say how big a deal it was. On the front page of the 1977 annual report... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a photo of Royce. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's a photo of Royce, nineteen sixty-seven yep. to seventy-seven. So you know the yeah. end of his, his era, ten years. Yeah. Well, and for the right reason, he was certainly look, and I only saw a bit of him, in, and probably earlier than that, you know, on the television because he was done by then. But yeah, he was a hell of a player and a delightful man. He was, he was a very pleasant chap from my, my memory. You came to Richmond uh, as Barry Richardson was coach. Yeah, uh, so seventy-six when I came down for the school holidays. Tom was still there. That day, and then the next year was yeah, Barry's first year. So did you have so anything Barry, to do with Tom? Pardon? Did you have uh, anything? Yeah, well, that, I do remember. So this school holiday week when I came down, so I remember talking to Tommy and Alan Swab in the office before training, mm. did a chat, 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 and then as training was going, they sent me off with Barry, I think. But Barry must have still been doing some some physio work, so sure. he got Eric Leach to take me under his wing, and Eric took me out, and I met a few of the boys and did all that. Gosh. Um, so then, yeah, so the next year, yeah, 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 so Barry was the senior coach, Mick was his assistant, yeah. and Tony was the reserve coach. And Barry, um, the people I've spoken to have yep. indicated that he was 
in a sense, quite ahead of his time as a coach. I, yeah, I, I just remember being impressed with him. Um, and again, you know, I was a kid, I was 19, and pretty quiet. Um, but I just remember, yeah, he, he, you know, for me, especially because I remembered him as a player and the whole thing, um, I, I thought he was, he was very impressive. And one of the things that I remember without any real context is that he gave sort of responsibility to some of the other guys to do bits and pieces, you know, like almost assistant coaching sort of roles, Jeez, yeah. which, of course, Sheedy took to with great relish. Yeah, so right. he he was um, – look, and that's another thing that over the years that in my head, you know, to, to I, I could never fathom how the powers that be chose Francis instead of Kevin as a coach because in my time there, mm. as brief as it was, you know, it was obvious, you know, Sheedy was moving around sort of unofficially coaching anyway yeah. and certainly us younger blokes you know, taking us under our wing and sort of running with us when we were doing some of the you know the, the team's stuff he'd sort of get in a group of say four of you and, and really just egg you along and all of that whereas dear old francis you know francis was just so singularly focused on his on his own game and he was mm. absolutely in his peak he was the state captain that year as well as the tiger captain so he was in the peak of his powers and uh, he'd run over the top of your training <laughs> without even seeing you, whereas uh, she'd, she'd be talking you up and helping you along. So that's one of those things that, to me, is an absolute mystery of how the powers that be ever you know, made a decision and, and chose Francis as a coach rather than rather than Sheedy. It um, amazes me. And Sheedy in 77 was also the promotions yep. officer at that stage. So Yeah, and, and did he live in the broom cupboard? <laughs> He seemed, to, he seemed to be there all the bloody time. <laughs> I think Charlie Kellerman might have found him a spot in the room covered or something. Sheedy just seemed to be there. I don't know if he had a home. I don't know if he went anywhere. He seemed to be at the club all the time. So he did, yes. Yeah. So, but he was doing this thing. Like One of the things I remember vividly, a bit of a remedial kicking class, because that was probably my weakest point, was my kicking. So he had a couple of us that he'd sort of got us aside and gave us a bit of one-to-one -one coaching sort of bits and then he'd then sort of move and get another group of them and do some, I don't know, some sprint work or something. He he was just, he was, he was everywhere. He was doing awesome. And the other, other story I'd like to tell you was that, and it would have been the pre-season of 78 because um, earlier on I didn't have a vehicle at all and, and it's another story. Barmy was looking after me, getting me about. Um, but this particular night, and I had a vehicle with the, the people I was working with down in St Kilda, and I used to drive Mark Lee home a little bit. He was down sort of somewhere off Burnley Street or somewhere. And this particular night, we were in the Punt Road shower room, and I don't know if you heard the stories how, of course, the bath's all around the wall, and three blokes would get in a bath, you know, with your bum in and your feet sort of hanging over yeah. the edge in the warm water. So this particular night, there was myself, Mark Lee, Kevin Sheedy in this bath. Yeah. And I was taking Mark home. And we were there and the lights were all out. Everyone had gone. Water was cold. <laughs> and Sheeds was building up Big Mark, you know, telling him how he's the future of the club and that Barmy had had more knee trouble and he was struggling and wouldn't last forever. Now they had Bobby Heard there as the backup ruckman in case Barmy went down. But Mark was the future of the footy club. So we were there, you know, this considerable time. And on the, on the way home, I think Mark was fairly dismissive. I think he might have missed the message. <laughs> he was fairly dismissive of how obsessive and crazy sheet he was. <laughs> One of those things I remember vividly. 
Well, Mark turned out to be a champion player himself. He well. did, he did. And look, he's one of the few that would possibly remember me. Um, <laughs> I think any of the others, you know, I was just a fleeting one to so many. I was only there briefly, but I did have a bit to do with Mark, and I even saw him a little bit afterwards a few times in the years when I was still about Melbourne. But other than that, I haven't had any touch with, with anyone other than, well, I was going to say re relatively recently. So Barmy was, look, Barmy was an absolute champion. Like he was a leader amongst them all and lots of fun and the whole thing. I, you know, I'm guessing you would know him reasonably well. Um, and he, he was living out somewhere over the Hawthorne Bridge and I was living in Bridge Road. And he sort of somehow realised that I was, you know, well, I was, I was you know, walking home in the dark because the trams were intermittent. And one of the ones, Early on in my time, there was a practice match at Waverley, a club practice match. And I was sitting there thinking, how the hell, where's Waverley? And Barmy must have picked up on it. And he said to me, how are you getting to Waverley? And I said, well, I've no idea where it is. So he picked me up and drove me there. So I think a couple of practice matches, Barmy sort of particularly yeah. made sure I got there and home and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he, he was. And then a bit later on when I was living in Bridge Road, he'd sort of run me home rather than me walk home in the oh, winter. Lovely. That sort of stuff. So just little bits and pieces. And then I was at a thing oh, probably three years ago now. It was a fundraiser down at Jan Jack. And Barmy was there as a guest speaker with um, Jared Murphy. who had sort of had something to do with it. So I happened to be at the table with Neil. So I had the chance to thank him very much for his looking after me as a young 19-year-old who had no idea what was going on. And, um, and, and, and if you know Barmy, a remarkable memory of his, you know, we chatted a bit and he was onto it. He knew exactly who I was and remembered, and even the whole watch him thing from home and all that sort of stuff. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah. And I got the chance to, to thank him for looking after me all, all those years ago because it was a big thing for me back then. Now, at the club at that stage, too, yeah. you may not have come across these men, but uh, yeah. a, a lot of the committee men were older Richmond people. So, yeah. Jack Titus, did you bump into him? No, as I said, I, look, I, I couldn't tell you any of them. I would have told, been able to tell you what Alan Cook looked like. As I said, Neil Bussey, I could, you know, used to see him and chat a bit. How about Max, Graham Richmond? No. Oh, I only, really? only saw him once, I reckon. Any of those guys, um, not, a, not at all. A big Jack Dyer was there one day, I remember, at training. And in the in the rooms, I reckon, sort of wandered through the rooms. Um but other than that, you know, like Jack Titus, I certainly know where he fits in from a history point of view and the whole deal. Mm. So, no, no. Okay. None, I had nothing to do with any of uh, them. The reserves grades manager was uh, Brian LeBrock? Yeah, well, okay. Well, that's a, yeah. Does that ring a bell? Well, must have had a bit to do with Brian. Okay, yeah. And then one of the things <laughs> in the so, – and the games that I was actually picked to play in the, in the reserves, that was the 19th and 20th man days was the last year of the 19th and 20th man before the interchange came in yeah. so to find out whether you got a game had to buy the, the late edition of the friday night herald of course you did of course you did <laughs> so i so whatever it was so i don't know how many rounds in um and i was i was in i was i was in the paper to play so we wandered down to the mcg and as i've walked into the room someone and i reckon it might have been brian lebrock <laughs> Ducked, ducked his head down and shot inside. And um, so it turned out that the paperwork hadn't come through and I wasn't eligible to play. But he couldn't tell me. And I think they might have. I think they might have sent Neil Bussey out to, to break the bad news to him. Um, the um, where would the the paperwork would have come from? Where? Where? Is yeah. A, well, I'm guessing through the. Yeah, it would have been. Well, I see. I don't know that I ever got a clearance. I reckon I might have only ever had permits because I was on the supplementary list. Yeah. And. 
um, the only there were some injuries and see I, I hurt my back somewhere near about the time the season was about to start. So I got on the supplementary list and then was out of action for a couple of weeks as it got started. And then I reckon there was there was injuries through the seniors and stuff, so the numbers were a bit low. Yeah. And that's where I worked on a few games, um, such as they were. And then, uh, you know, then people recovered and the numbers sort of fixed up a right. bit better and then I was gone. See, I, I can't even tell you what rounds they were that I played. I'd, I'd love you at some stage to send that through to me if, you, if you've got the information. I reckon I was at the MCG twice. Waverley once, and, and I'm thinking maybe Princess Park. So we think four uh, games reserves. Yeah, we see, yeah, four. No more than four. Okay. And see, and this, this is part of the thing over the years that one of them I got onto the ground just before half time, and that was out at Waverley. Yeah. And I, I remember thinking, okay, beauty, I'll get a game. And the other three, I sat on the bench, you know, right to the last moment. And the reserves that year won the flag, and they had, they I think they only lost one game for the year. Yeah. And so they were winning games by huge margins, and I'd be still sitting on the bench till the last. Yeah. One day at the MCG, I remember I got off the bench, ran straight across the ground, and the siren went. <laughs> um, and I think my other one, I got out there, and I reckon it was against North Melbourne, because I remember there was a, big, a bigger crowd and running into the old southern stand, a you know, big noise, and I got one hand pass, and the siren went. So in three of the four games I was there, I reckon I played a total of about three minutes. Another, another one of those little things that stuck with me for the years. One of the days, and I reckon, and I must have been there, so I was out at Waverley, and I sort of, um, and Tony Jewell, as the reserve coach, was telling the boys that you know, we'd played, they'd played the last maybe three games or something at the MCG. So one of his points in the game was that here we are at Waverley and the ground's longer. You know, from the centre square as it was then yeah. to the top of the goal square, there's no 50 metre line, mm -hmm. to the top of the goal square was you know, another 20 metres or whatever more than the MCD. Mm -hmm. And if you have a look at um, more recent, like at that stage there was no 50 metre, but later on in, in replay games you can see the 50 metre cap between the centre square and the 50 metres is at about 20 metres or something. So he'd made this point in going into the reserve game about how much further it was than the MCG. In the senior game, John Petura got a free kick, I reckon, at a centre bounce. And he kicked a torpedo that missed the goals, was a point. But I reckon it hit the fence. <laughs> so at Waverley, you know, that's something like 90 metres. Yeah. You know, it's 90, yeah. 90 to 100 metres, which I know sounds impossible, but no. it, it, I, that's my memory of it. He yeah. kicked this from a free kick, certainly inside the centre square, if not right at the centre in a circle yeah. and it hit the fence at Waverley um, for a point and it, it was huge it was an absolutely huge kick and, uh, and I'm thinking possibly 90 metres you know <laughs> well, quite remarkable you had someone in your team who could kick a ball along the way and that was Jim Jess yeah yeah and so and I knew Jimmy so Jimmy from Sonata that as a younger child he was at Donald his father was the postmaster at Donald and Jim was at the same school as me when we were younger even though he'd be three or four years ahead of me so he was in one of my cousins, I remember. So Jim sort of, once I was there, you know, he knew who I was and we'd chat a bit and, and I really liked Jim. I mean, he was great. One of the things I remember, and I reckon it was the 77 pre-season camp at Anglesey, we, they sort of split us into you know groups of six or eight or whatever. So we were sort of doing competitions against each other. And one of them was a, a, a distance and accuracy kick. And, of course, they made sure that, that um, Jimmy wasn't allowed to have every second kick. So, so we had to rotate him through. So he only had every you know, sixth or eighth kick or whatever um, because of the advantage, the advantage he had with that 
phenomenal kicker, is he? Of and it was a fairly effortless kick with Jim, oh, even yeah. though he wasn't a smooth mover. But it was a fairly effortless kick. He um, oh, absolutely. kicking a long way. Completely and effortless. he was a beauty, Jim. He was a, he was a great fella. The um, Richmond, um, did you go to the final series that year yourself? Did you no, go? I didn't. I was back up at the country and I reckon I was gone, gone home and there was farm work and stuff going on. So I remember watching the, the drawn grand final, of course, um, of that year. So no, I didn't see any of the finals, I don't think, I reckon. But uh, not even for the reserves when they... Did no, you, you no. See, so, and then once, once I'd, after those few games that I'd sat on the bench for in the reserves, and this is why I don't think I had a clearance, because I think went home and played for watching Corey. <laughs> so I played sort of eight or nine games at home at Watcham. Yeah. So I wasn't seeing the, the footy. Sound like it? Yeah, it sounds like it had a permit. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I think that must have been the case. So even I remember one day Mickey Malthouse asking me how the how the under nineteens had gone, and I said, well, I got no idea. Mick, I'm not there. So that's all assumed that I was playing under nineteens and stuff. Did you play um, any under nineteens? No, I was too old. So I was that one of I did. I did. Don't a, worry, we would have still fitted you in. <laughs> Yeah, I did. A, I did a second year of HSC, so I was too old. By the time I got down, I'm an, I'm an August birthday, so I was too old for the under 19s. Oh, right. Looking in some ways, of course, you know, some of the guys that came through, like even in '77, you know, they'd already sort of been earmarked a bit. You know, that sort of guys like I'm thinking like Bruce Tempany and Johnny Hummel and um, Greg Strong. Oh. Yeah, so Greg and <laughs> so those sort of guys had come out of the under 19s that year before. Um, and we're sort of already earmarked, I think, whereas myself. So the new boys, the year I came, so there was one called Michael Roach, was the star recruit, and myself and a lad called Jeff Berry, and Jeff had come down from Redcliffs. Oh, yeah. We were the new boys. Right. Um, and, yeah, other than that, the guys had all been there, all come through the under-19s. Um, and that was guys, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, like John Hummel, Bruce Tempney, mm. uh, Daryl Freem, Phil Bottom, some of those lads, I reckon, that, had come out of the under-19s of that year, right. whereas Mark and Dale and Terry Smith were sort of the next year. Uh, As, uh, we, I guess it would be remiss of me not to ask about uh, my father. Um, yeah. Do you recall him much on the training track? Yes, I've got a, yep. Okay. I've got a couple of things. One of them I was thinking about when you talk about Jimmy Jess, and I don't know what year you were born, but Jim used to tease your father about his chimpanzees. <laughs> which was either you or you or your siblings. <laughs> on what year we talking? Well, this is 77, so... Oh, no, what, what about one of my sisters? Must have been, yeah, I reckon, yeah. Oh, I've got this memory of two. maybe two of them. Yeah, that would be... And right. Jimmy teasing your father about his pet chimpanzees. <laughs> but, um, that's another story. And the other the other one, look, there's another thing. Um, one day, I remember there was a family from home had a son in the, in the Royal Children's Hospital, and they'd asked me to see if um, one of the Richmond players might visit him. And I remember approaching Kevin, your father, and without blinking an eye, he said, just write his name down and what ward he's on, I'm, I'm over there on Friday. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely impressed. And of course, the kid had gone home by Friday anyway, so it didn't, didn't happen. <laughs> but he, he didn't blink an eye, he said, I can do that. Dad might have turned up, I suspect, and just walked through the ward to say hi to him. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I have no doubt. Yeah, the other thing about the training one, and I've, I've thought of this, yeah. in that he must have been thinking he was out of form a bit with his goal kicking okay. so i don't necessarily remember him training too much with the group mm-hmm. but <laughs> he hogged all the footballs and would um park himself you know, directly in front of the goal with say 10 footies and five meters out 10 meters out he'd kick them through you know the kids over the back would run and get them 
um, then he'd move back sort of sort of 20 metres, you know, back to 30 metres, and then go onto an angle over to the you know the right hand side. Same thing again. Ten balls, kick them through. The kids would run them back for him. Move back ten metres, kick them again. Um, I have a vivid memory of him doing that, and it and it seemed like he did it for weeks. Yeah. It might have you know might only been a few times yeah. in a row or something. Was there? So was, that's yeah. Did you, my you memory able to, that training. Isn't it interesting? Were you able to actually ha- have? I mean, I'm guessing training was quite regimented. Were you able to actually have those times where you could then just do what you wanted to do at training, or was it quite...? Uh, yeah, I think there was. I think, and this is a bit where Sheedy sort of had some of us locked in to be doing some of the, you know, what you might call remedial okay. coaching. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we would do the group, you know, the group stuff, and that was pretty much all in. So, you know, we were training alongside all the, the other fellas. Right. Um, and then there was probably was this bit at the end where, yes, you could do some other bits and then there's other a couple of things there and you mentioned Emmett before I remember Emmett um he seemed to, certainly at that stage he was out of form a bit and he was having trouble marking the footy and Emmett was, he was a little bit flat-handed with his marking and sometimes you'd, you'd almost get under them a bit too far so he'd, he'd lost a bit of confidence but I remember one for a, a, you know some times mm. how many occasions but kicking high balls up to him so he could sort of run to them and, and mark them above his head. So certainly that, and that was a you know after after training activity. Yeah. And the other one Francis used to do, he used to sort of get people to kick the footy at him, the whole reflex thing. So the thing of you know starting about ten metres away and a fairly daunting task with Francis kicking a ball at you from <laughs> from that far. Um, and he might even, and he'd sort of, he, so he'd start close, and I might even be five metres, I'd get close to you and, and absolutely pumping it at you. Oh. The idea was to mark it down and kick it back with the, to get the reflex. And then he'd go, you know, graduate it out to, you know, 10 metres, 15 metres, 20, back a bit further, and then work back in again to you until he's almost uh, three feet from you, kicking it at you as hard as he could. Oh. So that was the thing I remember doing with him and, the, and he would get other, some of the other lads to do it as well. But. That'd be terrifying. Oh, absolutely, and because you know, got to kick it. One of the, one of the other things I've said over the years that I remember Francis practicing, sort of you know, by himself, was he'd step out, you know, get the fifty meters sort of outlined or whatever it was, so I think fifty, and practice kicking it as low and as hard as he could. So he'd sort of work himself back and run in you know, about you know a normal sort of run up four or five run ins, you know, down to sort of two steps and and one step and a bit of a hook trying to sort of get the distance with the minimum height. Hmm. So I remember him doing that at different times. Um, yeah, he was, as I said, he was self-focused. Another great thing I love about this 1977 team photo is the Guernsey yep. because it's got yeah. the CUB logo, <laughs> logo on it. The Richmond were the first footy club to have sponsorship. They discovered that they could pay a company money to put a sponsor on it. And so CUB it was. But yeah, I'm mindful yeah. that um, my father and other people were teetotalers. Yeah, absolutely. And to- yeah, How about yourself? Got- Where do you fit into that? Um, yeah, look, I didn't ever really associate with the boys. Like, I sort of loved the beer, but not, not at that stage so much. I was pretty young. Yeah. But one of, one of the things that I think in hindsight, so I was just living with initially with a brother and a cousin and then became some of my old schoolmates and not so much someone associated with the club, but some of the boys were in with host families and um uh that sort of thing and i you know sort of so i really didn't engage with anyone sort of outside the actual footy club so much oh right so i was never involved with any of the famous drinking sessions like 
Cameron Clayton might have been guilty of some of that. <laughs> yes, <probably. laughs> um, no, so from that point of view, you know, the only one I remember was one day coming back from Waverley with Neil Barm and we had some beers somewhere with, with Royce and Eric Rains. He was, was not quite established at that stage, but so it was Jeff Rains, Royce, Neil and myself and even... Even Ray Boynich might have been there, or they were talking about Ray Boynich or something. Did you get to keep Socially. your jersey at all? I did have one for some years, that, okay. um, but I reckon it's one that, that um, maybe Leo Rush might have given me the year before. Oh, it okay, wasn't, yeah. wasn't from the game time. The only thing I do remember getting freebies was the day the Anadas people turned up with the footy boots. <laughs> and you'd line up and get them. And I remember I got a pair and a pair of runners, and it was John Pachura said, Don't be so stupid. Get get a couple of pairs. So I think I got two pair of runners and the boots with the screw-in stops as well as the molded stops. What, you just got it, you were able to get them for free? Yeah, Adidas just turned up with a big heap of them and just grabbed what you wanted sort of thing. So I don't know, no, I didn't I didn't pay for them and I never never charged by the club or anything. So. Well, I'll tell you who we should thank for that. In the annual report, it talks about Dick Wicks, Ted Whitten and Larry Norton of Adidas Footwear. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. And yeah, also we'll Mick Irwin and his staff at Merritt Hassett. Ah, uh, so, yeah, yep. So we yeah, can thank yeah, them. Yeah. And see, and then Rochi, Rochi's first job, I reckon, was he was in the store in Burke Street at Merritt and Hassett. Oh, right. And I reckon, um, I reckon Forrell Merritt might have still been running it. Oh, wow. Because I, I remember, you know, if I was in about the city, I used to call in and say hello to him. But, yep. but he can't remember that. I saw, I saw Rochi somewhere some years ago, and he, he just apologised. He said there's been too many people over the years. That's fair enough. I want to go to him. I remember being with Rochi as we were getting close to the round one of 77. Yeah. And I must have had the, the cook back. And we were getting close to the first round, so we weren't able to play. Yeah. And we, were, we ran, the, ran the tan track. Oh, yes. And I remember we were running around the tan, and I said to Rochi, you know, how come you aren't playing? And he said Longford won't give him a clearance. They were holding out for, um, for a, a transfer fee. Yeah. And it was $14,000. Oh at the time, which was absolutely staggering. And to the point where I stopped and I said, what the hell, you know, why, why did I want that much? And I remember him saying, he said, oh, I think I could play. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he, I remember him telling me that, you know, say so Barry Lawrence and um, Jim Waite were his uncles. Yeah. And he said, they think I can play. And they were holding out for a $14,000 transfer yes, fee, gracious, which uh, I was absolutely staggered about. And, but as it turned out, he could play. What did you get paid at your time? I reckon I was getting, I think I was getting $60 a month or something. And that was partly living away from home. <laughs> and, I, you know, there must have been a little bit of something for, you know, the four games that I, that yeah, I played. Yeah, I think so. Maybe even if you took the field, there might have been extra as well. Yeah, but it would, yeah, it would have been 25 bucks or something, I think, yeah. in the reserves. Did your parents come down and watch you play? No. No, I had um, one of my brothers was living in Melbourne. He was there and a couple of schoolmates. But no, I don't know that my parents actually ever saw me because they were, you know, there was other kids at home, younger ones than me and all of that stuff. Yes, so, and, you know, life got three, in the way. Yeah, and it's three and a half hours up, up there to the, to the Wimmera. That is a bit of a long drive from there to Waverley Park, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah everywhere, everywhere. It was a bit of a drive to <laughs> Waverley Park. Yeah. Do you, how do you look back at your time at Richmond? Oh, happy to have been there. I'm thankful I was been there. Um, now, in hindsight, looking thinking about you know, my actual footy ability, um, I sort of proved I, that I could actually get the footy over my years. But my kicking was not strong enough. Um, 
in the hind side of it and that whole thing, you know, there was a lot of uh, six footers getting about. If I was six foot three or four, I might have, might have had a bit more of a chance. But to have the actual opportunity to be there and to, you know, and to, you know, to actually rub shoulders and have a bit to do with, you know, with Royce and with your father and with Francis and Barmy and, you know, even blokes like Robbie McGee and, you know, these guys, you know, you know, Bruce Monte and, and you know, Malthouse, Malthouse. I, one of the things over the years that struck me, you know, that, that um, persona that Mick had as the coach, that was nothing like what I remember of him at Richmond. He, he was one of the, you know, the, the jokesters, the, the go-to sort of guys. He was in amongst all of it. Mick, he was a very personable bloke. Whereas that coaching persona that he's put on over the years, <laughs> yeah, I think he was an arrogant prick, but that's certainly not what he was like in, in, in my memory. Um, yeah, and all the, so some of those guys, I remember there was a kid called Noel Jenkinson was fullback in those years from Mildura. Um, some of them I remember vividly. Um, others I really wouldn't have spoken to much. You know, like your dad, I wouldn't have spoken to him a lot. Um, but I certainly remember him being there and happy, happy to have been there. But Richmond also had David Miller. Yeah, well, see, Dave, see, he did that bloody knee that year. He did, yeah. So he, and I was thinking about that. So Alan Edwards did his knee, David did his knee, and there's a, a lad that had come back from Western Australia, Dean Herbert. Oh, right, yes. That Whatever happened right, yeah. to him. So yeah. he, had, he had played under-19s and had gone to the West, hadn't he? And yes. He came back that year, so he's in that photo, I think. Yeah, Royce did his knee, obviously. And that was yeah, well, well I think I think Royce's knees just wore out, didn't yeah. they? I don't know that he actually finally had a, a final incident. I think he just wore out. and right. So they'd actually tried to play him, I reckon, at centre-half back that year. But I think it just, yeah, the inevitable had happened. I don't know that he actually did a, you know, something to, you know, a sentinel event sort of thing, even though he, I might be wrong on that completely. But Dean Herbert did his knee. Yeah, Dave Miller, yeah. you know, after promising a few games. And then Alan... Alan Edwards was the other one. The big, he was never the same player again, Alan, after that. Mm. And I don't know, did Dave, did Dave Miller ever play much after that? No, I, I spoke to Dave him. a couple of weeks ago, actually. Oh, did you? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he went, uh, I think he lasted five games. Yes, yeah. That was about it. But one of them one of them was pretty impressive. He kicked four or five goals one day. That was his debut, would you believe? Yeah, that was, I remember Day that. Against Collingwood. Collingwood where? The MCG. Yeah, well, I must have been there that day. Still the largest... It's it's still the largest crowd a Richmond yep. player's debuted in front of for a home and away match. Okay, right. Eh? Only yep. beaten Marley and Pickett, obviously. <laughs> now holds the record, but yeah, that was in a final episode. But Miller yeah, still holds it. But yeah, I, th I think he might have then gone into the VFA. I think. Um, yeah, that yeah. So that was that was a sad story. So yeah, so, so Dean Herbert, Allen, and I mean Dave Miller. Yeah. Mm. Then the other one I was thinking about, but it must have happened later. So Peter Lachlan was oh yes about, and then because he cut his knee open on a sprinkler, didn't he? Had it I think he did. I think he did. I think yeah, that's where he got his. Injury. I don't know that it was that year. I think that might have been a year or two later with Peter. Yeah, um, but so I remember him well because he was from up on the on the river. Um, the um, I tell you what, it's it's even though you're there for that that, that short period of time you have such yeah, vivid yeah. memories which a lot of people uh, absolutely yeah times do. yeah there's, there's some bits of it that could, could probably be challenged i suppose but <laughs> some of that absolutely i remember you know even just to go out on the training i have a vivid one of one day we were due to go for a you know must have been a you know say a tuesday night or something and we were to do a run around the tan and of course it was an absolutely miserable freezing bloody bitterly cold night you know, and all the grizzling and stuff as we're doing, as we're just, you know, out the front of the change room there at Pun Road, um, you know, getting ready to head off to go up and over the footbridge. 
um, you know, all the grizzling that was carrying on. I remember Bruce Monteith especially was pretty winded like a like a schoolboy. <laughs> but you know, but there was no no question that we weren't going to do it. But all the, the, the misery of that. <laughs> yeah, so some of that, and even you know, just some of the moments on the training track, you know, just remember bits and pieces. Of, it's tremendous. It's absolutely tremendous. Yeah, after all these years. Now, you had another story you wanted to say? Yeah, just one about Joe Riley. So yes. Joe tells me that he, I think he played in the maybe the 42 grand final, which they lost. Yes, in the 40, correct. But I met Joe. Joe was down this way near Colac. He worked as a policeman at BIAC, which is just out the road mm-hmm. from Colac. Mm-hmm. I met Joe... I was working as a nurse. Joe was the patient. I arrived on the ward this one day and um, they passed me this parcel and said, oh, this is for Joe Riley. He's down in room 13 or whatever it was. Um, he's your patient's afternoon. So I took this book down, this package, mm-hmm. and, of course, Joe's opened it up very excitedly and it's the Tigers of Old book. No, is it? So here's Joe opening it up and very excited. And, of course, it's taken me a little while, but the penny's dropped. And I said, Joe, are you in this? He said, yes, I am. So he's flicking through it, and then he's turned to me and he said, who do you barrack for, son? <laughs> and I said, Joe, you wouldn't believe it, but I barrack for Richmond. <laughs> so I had a bit to do with Joe over the years, and he's since died. Um, but then another day, he and I've actually got this photo, and it's no good to me, so I might even forward it to you. It's a photo. They went down, apparently, to Jack Dyer's 80th birthday, I think. Right. And there's this photo of Joe and Jack cuddling. Oh. Um, and Joe just absolutely besotted by Jack Dyer. Um, and there's a bit of a note on the back saying how, you know, they gathered and um, Jack O'Rourke had come from Warrnambool or whatever. Yes. So there's a bit of a note in Joe's writing and Gosh. the photo of him and Jack Dyer. And look, it'll sit here and my children will throw it out when I die. So I may as well get it to you, I reckon. Oh, look, send it down. I'll send. give you an address or whatever. Yeah, or put, put it in, in the museum. email. Yeah. But oh, dear old Joe, so the fact that, um, and as he says, if it wasn't for the war, he would never have played senior games. <laughs> but he was there at the right time and he, he played in that, I think it was the 42 one that they'd lost to Detroit, yeah. maybe, I think, at Princess Park, he told me. That's right. Gee, what a great memory. How, what a thrill that would have been, too. Oh, absolutely it was. And that, as I said, this day that he opened the book and he was so excited and then um, when he turned to me and said, who are you very cool? <laughs> you said, you're not going to believe this, Joe. Yeah, that's right. I'm a tiger, man. <laughs> absolutely. And even the other part of that is, you know, with, with our son Louis going to Sydney and um, the the chequered history of Richmond's um, more recent years, just as I thought I might become a Sydney supporter, Richmond go and win the two premierships on me so that reminded me that i'm still a tiger man yeah don't let no no don't change teams. no your allegiance is yellow and black yeah but the sydney swans have been very good to us to our boy so. you can have two teams it's okay yeah, yeah. i was actually i was at the, the, the grand final this year when i went to the premiership of 2019 oh, which yes. i was very excited about well hopefully there's another one for you down the track for the family yeah too right i'll enjoy it oh, I, I must say on behalf of all the richard supporters thank you for your time uh, yep. at in the reserves in in yeah, seventy seven yeah. in the preseason of seventy eight. Um, yep. we're we're very grateful for you to you, you know come down to Richmond at that stage and try out and, and and did what you you did. So on behalf of maybe those who saw you play those four games <laughs> or were at the fence that day at Princess Park or Wangley, thank you for yep. your contribution to Tigerland. Thank you, Red. It's an absolute pleasure, and I do love it. Thank you.